0: Alright, good singing. I'm going to go ahead and let the kids be dismissed. And they head back to class. Be in Exodus chapter 3 to start today. We're going to look at a number of different passages today, but we'll start in Exodus chapter 3. Right now the plan is... This week and next week we'll continue on with our Who is God series and we'll probably transition uh, to something different uh, the last couple weeks of June before our missions month of July and uh, looking forward to that. This week we're going to be looking at God is Enough. Next week we'll be looking at, as it is Father's Day, God is My Father. And uh, we may do one more week. I'm not. I have not yet decided. Uh, um, but we'll probably transition out of the "Who Is God" series. Then <clears throat> today, again, like I said, we are looking at God is enough, and I think Exodus three is a great uh, a passage to start in uh, as we look at uh, God being enough for us. Uh, Look in verse number 9. Let's read a few verses. Exodus 3, verse number 9. Now therefore behold, this is God and Moses, uh, by the way. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? And that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, uh, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he, the children of Israel, excuse me, and he said, thou shalt, uh, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now in this passage, we see Moses. Moses is making excuse after excuse, as he does with God, about why he cannot be the person to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Um, It it goes. Some of it's back about his past that he has with Egypt and with the children of Israel. Others of it is is physical uh, uh, inabilities, the stuttering that he had. He wasn't a good speaker uh, and those kinds of things. And he's making up different excuses. And in the name that God gives him, we learn a lot about it. Uh, In verse 11, Moses says, Who am I? That's a great place to start. Sometimes we blame Moses for saying, How dare you question God? God said, Go, now go do it. I would agree with that. But I also believe there is a humility in Moses here that is good. Well, God, who am I? Moses here learned that that he, Moses, was small and that he could not do it. He did not have the capabilities of doing it. But along with that, he learned who God was when God says, When they ask you what my name is, you tell them that I am hath sent me. God is enough for whatever situation comes In this place, in this situation, the different excuses that Moses came up with, God's answer was simple. I'm here. I'm going to take care of it. I am enough. I am everything that you need to handle this situation. And, And God says, they will understand that eventually. You need to understand it now. I am that I am. I'm everything. I'm anything. I am enough. Today I want us to see four things. uh, Three things about what God is enough for and then one last thing to uh, conclude uh, the morning. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your help as we look at these different passages and at this one simple thought that you are enough. There's a lot of cares that come across our life. There are a lot of situations that come across our life where many times we question how are we going to get through. God, may today we be reminded May we be encouraged and may we be challenged that you are enough for us to do what you'd have for us to do. Lord, I pray that I would present these verses uh, clearly and correctly. And with your help, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> God is enough in our life for every situation that we'll come across, um, whether it be needs, whether it be uh, uh, physical things, whether it be. Uh, whatever it is, God is enough. God says, I want you to do something. He gives a command to the church, a commission to go into all the world and teach the gospel to every creature. And God says when He gives us that commission, He says, uh, I have all the power and I am going to go with you. I am enough to accomplish that commission. Uh, God calls different people to different things. God calls some into ministry where they go to the mission field, where they pastors where they're uh, in different ministries doing different things. And many times I have learned in ministry where we question, Lord, uh, why me? I can't do this. And God says, I'm enough. I can't imagine what missionaries go through. I look forward to to diving into that a little bit in July about the different mindsets and the different things that, that missionaries go through on their field but I have to believe many of them, if not all of them, at one point say, God, I, this is, I can't do this. And God says, I know, but, but I'm enough to accomplish what I've called you to do. Every Christian is called to something, whether it doesn't have to be ministry in order for you to have a calling from God. Uh, we are called to do what we are supposed to do. We are called to be faithful and to serve in the church that God places us in. We are called to be uh, good workers in our workplace. We are called to, be, uh, uh, to fulfill a role within our home. Uh, we are called to do all these things and there, there's no way that we can do them. I cannot be the husband that I'm supposed to be without God, but God is enough to make me the husband I am supposed to be. I cannot be the father that I am supposed to be, and I fail constantly in that area. But God is enough to help me to be what I should be for my children so they can be what they're supposed to be. I've been in, in a number of different churches as, as a member of a church and then also as a pastor now, but uh, where there's roles that needed to be filled, and there were times where I said, God, I, don't, I, I know that you're telling me to do this role, but I don't know that I can accomplish that role. I remember in our church in Tennessee that we were in before we moved to Indiana, um, our pastor asked us to do the youth group, and uh, I I worked with teens a lot, didn't think a whole lot about it other than, sure, that's fine, and and, uh, we agreed to do it, and so we were helping with the youth group, and we had six kids in the youth group and uh, they were good kids they were uh, they they were had some rough backgrounds but they were good kids they had been coming to church for a while they had learned a lot they'd grown a lot um, good kids and uh, well what happens i believe if you do it right then then things it grows and so we had these six kids and they're good kids and they start inviting their friends well guess what they didn't always have good friends next thing you know we had 30 kids in this room just me and my wife and these 30 teenagers um, and uh, they were all from backgrounds that I didn't have any experience with. And uh, they were all public school kids. They were all bus kids that came in on the bus. Um, their parents didn't come to church. Their parents were happy to send them away to church, so they had some time away from them. Um, sometimes we sent them back to their parents because we needed some time away from them. Um, we, had, we had these kids in our youth group, and, and I remember sitting there thinking, Lord, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. And God says, I'm enough. If you'll just let me help you, I will be what you need to get this done. I've called you to it. I'm going to help you accomplish it. We have different things that sometimes we, in our lives, come to the point where we wonder um, and we question, can I do this? And the answer is no, we can't. But with God's help, God can do it through us or God can help us in the situation we're in. So number one, I want us to see that God is enough for my needs. God is enough for my needs. I want to look at two verses for this Psalm 23. You may know it by heart, but if you want to turn there, you can. Psalm 23. Uh, I remember memorizing this Psalm early on in life, and it's kind of one of those things that sticks with you if you get the rhythm of it down. But Psalm 23 says, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He leadeth me. Or excuse me. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters." Verse 1 is one of the most comforting verses that I have found in the Bible when it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It goes on to to showing us where He'll lead us, where He'll guide us, where He'll keep us, uh, and how He'll protect us through the rest of the psalm. But Psalm 1 says something to me that is one of the most encouraging things I read in the Bible. He is my shepherd, and I shall not want. I shall not have need of anything. He's going to, to provide for me the needs that I have. You see, um, we spend so much time hearing from society and coworkers that how we have to get extra time and overtime to pay for these things that, that I need. Uh, we had all these, these uh, you know, I need this new boat. I need this new car. I need this whatever. And, uh, and so i got to work overtime to get it. And, uh, and sometimes that can get into our brains when, when we have a need, all of a sudden we go, well, I need to put in a few more hours. Now, putting in more hours isn't bad, and it may be ultimately what God wants you to do. But sometimes we get to the point where we're trying to figure out how I can solve the needs that I have. How can I provide for the needs that I have? How can I take care of the needs that I have? And we forget that we have a shepherd who says, you shall not want, you shall not have need of anything. I will provide everything, and I mean that. The Bible teaches us that. I will provide everything that you need. We have to understand the difference between needs and wants. Uh, Sometimes, you know, our kids tell us all the time, I need this. No, you don't. You just want that. But as adults, we do the same thing. Well, I need this. No, no, you really don't. (laughs) Um, What are some things we need? We need oxygen. We need food. Not always as much as we get, but we need food. My wife is going away for the weekend. She saw my shopping list. She said, hey, take it easy. I said, i got to eat. She said, yeah, you don't got to eat that. Um, that's why I don't shop till after she leaves. Uh, <clears throat> we as adults come to the same point where we go, I need that. No, you don't. Why do you need it? Well, because my coworkers have it. Well, because my, my, my relatives have it. Because my whatever has it. Because someone else has it. I need it too. No, oftentimes we don't. We desire it, we want it. It's not wrong to ask for. It's not hard, wrong to work for those things that we want. But we have to remember that for all my needs, God is enough. Now that doesn't mean you're going to get a check in the mail. It may mean that you have to add work. And God may say, add some more time or pick up a part-time or whatever it may be. That may be the answer. But may we depend on God for our needs because God is enough for our needs. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now here he's talking to a church that had been so faithful in helping him do his ministry. And he's telling them, because of your help, because of you helping me uh, do what God's called me to do, God is going to make sure that you always have every need that you have. But I believe that if we're obedient to God... I believe this falls under the category of verse number 1 of Psalm 23. I believe that my God will supply all your need according to His riches uh, in Christ Jesus. We see that uh, in that verse, it's it's interesting to me at least, I don't know, I'm not a grammar expert, but I was reading this verse, I've read this verse a million times in Philippians 4.19, but the word need is singular. My God shall supply all your need according uh, to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I think it's a it's it's telling because God doesn't do anything on accident. I believe it's telling that that uh, even though it's a singular word, need, God encompasses everything to one. God's going to take care of every need that you have. And in His mind, and we're going to look at this a lot next week. So I want to be careful how much I say this week with God being our Father or my Father. Uh, but uh, we see that God's going to provide. And when he looks at you, he says, your need is my need. So every need that comes along, uh, I, I'm going to take care of it. All of your need, it, it, it's my need. You're going to be provided for. I'm going to take care of you. God is enough for our needs. We <clears throat> we'll look at some other things that will kind of fall under needs here in a moment. But uh, uh, we have to understand that God, he, he is a shepherd to us. And we read about, in the Bible about the shepherd. And how the shepherd cares for all of his flock equally. He doesn't have a favorite sheep. But if he has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, he's leaving the ninety-nine to go get the one. He cares enough about us. He, He loves us solely. We'll look at it next week. But God, when we are saved, God is our Father. And the things that God does for us and the way that God cares for us it should encourage us and it should challenge us to understand that no matter what need I have, God is going to take care of it. And I spend so much time worrying about my needs and stressing about my needs and working to take care of my needs, oftentimes I forget to remember that God is enough for my needs. And if I have a need, God will take care of it. It may not be in my timing. That comes with patience, right? We learn that patience is important, to wait on God. to to wait for His timing. That's not easy. But if I'll take the Bible for what it says, I will know that if I have a need, God is enough for that need. And I need to pray. I need to seek Him. I need to ask Him. I need to take care of it. I need to trust that He will take care of it and believe truly that God is enough for that need. Number two, God is enough for my learning. Now that word, I don't like that word, learning. Uh, That often implies work. Uh, but uh, uh, let's turn to 2 Timothy. We looked at this verse last week, so I don't want to spend too much time on this verse, but I think it's an important one for us. Again, we need to claim the Bible as truth. If you don't believe the Bible is God's Word, you're never going to learn what you need to learn in God's Word. Uh, I learned in college the importance of sourcing information. When you write a paper where you got the information from, you're supposed to source it. And in most cases, I wouldn't say, I believe this book is true because this book told me it's true, right? If Dr. Phil wrote a book, I don't know if he's still writing books or not, but Dr. Phil wrote a book and he says, you can know that this point is true because right now I'm telling you it's true. I'd go, well, Dr. Phil, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, (laughs) Other than than I have to either trust you or not trust you. Well, God's word tells us something and, and I'm using the Bible as a source for the Bible But in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, it says that all scripture is given uh, by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, again, we looked at this last week, and so I want to be careful how much time we spend on it. But uh, we need to understand that God is enough for the learning that we need. For the learning that we need. You know, I always heard jokes in college the teachers would say, the professors would say, you know, you can't just sleep on the book and expect for it to soak into your brain. Um, And uh, I believe it because most of the books we used were kind of crazy. But nonetheless, um, we have things that we need to learn. You need to know basic math in life. Um, It'll get you a long way. I know we have phones that can do that for us now, but, but it really will help you if you know basic math, addition and subtraction. Maybe some multiplication and division as well. Um, do you need to know all the other stuff, the algebra? Yeah, I mean, I guess it can come in handy at times, but uh, um, I would just say Google that. But uh, uh, basic math, that's good to know. you got, you got to know it. Reading, you got to be able to read. If you can't read, you're going to have a really hard time getting, getting through life. Um, you need to know how to read. You need to know how to, to write or type, how to spell Um, If you're typing it, I guess it'll spell most of it for you. But uh, uh, you need to know these things. They're important things in life. But there are spiritual things that we need to learn. And uh, oftentimes today, sadly, many people are running to the Internet or to a um, a preacher's book to learn what they think they need to learn. And I want to remind you that God is enough for the spiritual learning that you have, that you need. Um, not all not all books are bad I I don't like books but not all books are bad There can be helpful books I've had helpful books that I've read parts of Um, I, I believe books can be helpful but when it comes to learning to knowing what God wants for my life please please know this God is enough to teach you those things don't go out seeking the popular preachers of today. They're preachers I like to listen to. Preachers that aren't independent Baptists um, that I like to listen to occasionally. They're helpful. They give strong Bible teaching. They're not they're not the Joel Olsteens of the world, but, but I like them. Adrian Rogers. I love listening to Adrian Rogers. He's dead now, but there's still recordings of his messages on there. He's a Southern Baptist. Um, I wouldn't say that I agree with everything that he agrees with, but um, as a whole, his teachings on the home have been incredibly helpful to me on, on my role as a father and a husband very good straight from the bible help um, so so just because it 's not a preacher you know that 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 we would um, maybe even um, join his church or something like that i want to but be you've got to be so careful with that that kind of stuff you 've got to try them to the Bible. we talked about that before everything that someone says you 've got to take it back to the Bible why because god 's enough um <clears throat> I don't read self-help books. Uh, I would encourage you not to as well. But because the reason why is we start looking for help in the wrong places. And when it comes to spiritual learning, why, why seek out a man's opinion when you have God's Word? I read books on leadership, spiritual leadership. I read books on pastoring. I read books on revival, on prayer, on things like that. Uh, topical books that, that, that help me and, but they're books that have Bible verses and Bible application in them they're basically sermons made into books uh, for the most part um, with that being said we come back to this point of if I need to learn about God there's no better place to learn it from than God right um, have you ever read something in a, about history and then you met someone who was there and you asked them about that, that moment and it was a little different than what you read? That happens all the time. Why? Because the personal experience coming from a person who was there is oftentimes different than coming from a person whose maybe grandfather was there that passed down stories over a couple of generations and things got a little mixed up along the way. Why try to learn things about God from someone else when you can learn them directly from God? Again, it's not that we can't have things that can help us and assist us, but at the end of the day, God is enough to teach us what we need to learn. Through the Bible. The Bible tells us here that it's given by inspiration. If you if you I, I'm not a Greek theologian, but if you study the Greek on this, it very clearly means God breathed it, that God verbally inspired, God spoke the words and someone else pinned them down for us to have. God inspired, He breathed out these words and gave us the Bible, and therefore it is profitable. I like the word profitable. I like to do things that are profitable. I don't like to do things that are unprofitable. I like to do things that help me and not things that hurt me. I think that makes sense. I think we should all want to do things that help us and not hurt us. God says the Bible is profitable. We looked at it last week. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and in righteousness. For the purpose, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, uh, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Bible can teach us what we need to know so that we can live a life that God is pleased with, that God desires for us to live. When it comes to, to, to spiritual learning, God is enough. Prayer, James 1.5. Uh, prayer is the way that we can get learning. Prayer is a way that we can know more about God. It's a way that we talk to God, we speak to God. And James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, we're talking about learning. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. God says you need to learn something, you need to understand something, you need wisdom, I'll ask for it, I'll give it to you. My kids sometimes, I say my kids, it's just one of them, uh, tries, to sneak, tries to sneak things sometimes. Uh, I'll have Gatorade for work and I'll throw it in my cooler and I'll take it out to drink it and it's already been opened, um, which is worrisome when you buy it from a store, right? <laughs> you go, wait a second, why is this open? Um, but one of my children likes, likes to try things that dad's trying. He likes flavor. He's like me. He doesn't like water. He wants something with some flavor in it, and uh, and sometimes it's just a point of you know why didn't you just ask? If you wanted a drink of it, taste of it, I would have given you a taste of it. But now you stole it. That's not right. Why didn't you just ask? That's a simple illustration. But the fact is is that when we have a need for learning, a need for wisdom, a need for understanding, God is enough to give it to us. Um, I use commentaries when I study for sermons, uh, mainly uh, uh, three different commentaries that I look at depending on what I'm studying. And, uh, and a commentary is, is it's a man's opinion of what the Bible is saying. So again, you've got to be very careful with these things. But, um, but I will read, uh, I'll read a passage then I'll read a section in the commentary about the passage, and then I'll pray over it. Uh, and, and I'll pray over what I read in both, both cases and, uh, and ask the Lord what, you know, what I'm supposed to say. Um, I, there are things that I'll read, and I, I say, you know, I'll, then I'll look in the, uh, um, the other book and read what it has to say about it. I'll go, you know what? I don't think that's what it says. So I'll go back, I'll pray about it, I'll go back to the Bible and I'll read the Bible again. I'll close up the commentary and read the Bible and pray over it some more and, and go from there. The commentary is helpful for me. Um, there are many times I, where I'll take different commentaries and compare them to each other and see what they say, where they agree, where they disagree, bring it back to the Bible and pray over that again. And 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 I, it's my goal, my, my purpose as a pastor should be to present it correctly to you and so we study it out and different things like that now i've met people who said commentaries are evil you should never use them and i'm not going to argue with them about that uh, I'm, okay um, i'm going to do what the lord wants me to do but at the end of the day i don't just read a passage read the commentary copy what the commentary says and give it to you that's no good Yes, the commentary is helpful, but if I don't pray over what I'm supposed to say, I'm going to say something else that someone else said, and it's not going to do anybody any good. When we need learning, God is enough. Through our Bible, through our prayer, uh, through our church. Why is the church important? I think the most important, the most, the best reason why church is important is because God established the church. Why would God establish something that was no good? He wouldn't. God established the church in 2 Timothy. If you want to turn there, uh, chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We see um, what the pastor's supposed to do. This will help us because you find a pastor where? At church, right? They're the under-shepherd. Uh, they, are the, they, they help take care of the sheep that God has placed uh, there in their church. In 2 Timothy 4, look in verse number 1. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word, and be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears, or itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So what the command to the the pastor here is, preach the word, be instant, be ready, in season and out of season, at all times, uh, as with the Bible, to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort. Okay, so again, let's, let's bring it all back together. The pastor is where? He's at the church. There are other things, evangelists, that are not pastors, and they travel around and they they assist the church. They help the church. They help the pastor in preaching. And and, and oftentimes uh, we use them to do our dirty work, to talk about the things we don't want to talk about. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. In some cases it is, Um, but not not in every case. But the evangelist is not, he's a member of a church. He's sent out of a church. Uh, but he's not, he's not the pastor of the church. The pastor you'll find at the, t- at the church. And the pastor is told to preach the Word, to repro- reprove, rebuke, and exhort all things that we need that we're not going to get sitting at home. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir today. You're here. You're here regularly. You're here faithfully. But church is a place where we come that God gives us learning. In spite of who's presenting it, God still gives us learning. When I was called to ministry, when I felt like God was telling me, Vince, I want you to to live your life serving me in full-time ministry, I was sitting in a service. I have no idea what the preacher was saying. I know who it was, but I have no idea what his sermon was on. It was not on that. I was not paying attention to the preacher. (laughs) I know that's bad. But you know what? God was speaking to me through a passage in the Bible that I was open to. The preacher was preaching on that passage. I did what you're not supposed to do. Don't do this. I kept reading after he stopped reading and, uh, and, and kept going. God began to work in my heart and God began to tell me, Vince, the path you're going down is not the path I want you on. And this is the path that I want you on. This is what I want you to do. I got that through being in preaching, under preaching, and through being in His Word. You see, God is enough to teach us, but if we don't access God, we're not going to learn. Meaning, if we're not reading our Bible, we're not going to learn from our Bible. Meaning, if we're not praying, we're not going to receive the blessings of prayer. And if we're not in church, we're not going to be receiving the teaching that God has desired for us to learn. I've always heard, and I believe it's true, the people that are, that are there that day are the people that God wanted to be there that day. Does it mean that every service that we're going to have something that God's just going to pound conviction on us every single service? That there was something in the sermon that I was supposed to be in tears over? No. But I believe we can learn something, be reminded of something, be encouraged by something, be challenged by something every time we sit under preaching. And God says, I am enough for you to learn, so, so take advantage of what I've given you to learn. Take advantage of my word. Take advantage of prayer, of the open conversation. Take advantage of church in which I've uh, established in, in Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and verse number, uh, or chapter 10, I'm sorry, in verse number 23, the Bible says, <clears throat> and I'm on the wrong page. Uh, the Bible says, let us hold fast. Nope, that's not the one I wanted Yeah, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another, fellow Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. God says don't forsake coming together as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, for the purpose of exhorting one another. Well, where do we do that at? We do it at church. And God has a purpose for it. God has a plan for it. It is to help us to learn. And God is enough for my learning. We cannot uh, uh, read good people's books on how to be spiritual and get everything that we need from those things. We can read the Bible and get everything that we need to know from it. Everything. We can pray and ask God for wisdom and expect God to give us the wisdom that we need. We can come to church because God knows what you need. I do not. I know maybe some of the things you need. God knows everything that you need. And there are going to be sermons in which I'm preaching thinking there have been. I know where I've said, God, why in the world would I preach this message to our church? And God says, just preach it. And most of the time, I have no idea what helped you and what you received from it. I do know what I receive from it. And I do know where I've been helped. Because the preaching and proclaiming of God's Word helps people. And it gives us learning. And understanding. And wisdom. When it comes to my learning, God is enough. For my needs, God is enough. For my learning, God is enough. Number three, for my pain, God is enough. We hurt... Psalm 34 is where we're going. Uh, we hurt... We, we go through things in life that we don't believe anybody understands. We go through things that maybe we're ashamed of and we don't want to talk about with anybody else. We go through things that, that, that just bring pain in our life, no matter if they're self-inflicted or, or Satan-inflicted or somewhere else inflicted. We go through pain and we go through hurt and we need to know that God is enough for us when we're in that pain. Psalm 34, look in verse 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. There are important words in these verses. First of all, in verse 17, the righteous cry. Who's the righteous? Would you consider yourself righteous? I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life where I thought, yeah, I'm righteous. Um, uh, I think there probably have been moments where I have been righteous, but I just, when I look at it and I think of the word righteous, I think I've never been righteous. The righteous, the obedient to God, those who are living the life that God desires for, the li- for them to live, those who are without sin at the moment, those who have their sins forgiven, those who have gone to God and confessed the sins that they've committed, the righteous cry, and it says, the Lord heareth. On top of that, not only does he hear, he delivereth them, circle the word all, out of all their troubles. I'm going through this pain, this hurt. Lord, I need deliverance. Well, are you righteous? Not are you perfect, not are you sinless, but are you righteous? Are you living obediently to God? Because if I am, if I'm in obedience to God, I can expect the deliverance that God promises. It goes on in verse 18. The Lord is nigh or near unto them that are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. We talked about these in in, uh, Psalm 51 and David's repentance prayer to God. He says you didn't want sacrifices. You desire a a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That means someone who understands where they are. If they've sinned, their heart is broken over that sin. They know they were wrong and, and they feel... Uh, I I hate to use the word feel, but they feel bad about it. They understand that it was wrong. They know it was wrong, and they don't want to do that wrong anymore. God says, and along with that comes this broken heart, this understanding of broken down of God. I'm in pain. God, I'm hurt. And God, there's nothing that I personally can do about it. I need you. He goes on in verse 18 to say, verse 19, excuse me, that many are the afflictions of the righteous. I hate to be a discouragement today. But when we do right, when we obey God, there's going to be a a, a blowback from the world and from Satan. Satan doesn't attack the lost person. and Satan doesn't attack the Christian who's away from God because he has no reason to. He attacks the people who are doing right. He tries to get in he tries to, to make you doubt, make you fear, make you worry. God says in verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. There's going to be trials. I mean, you look at Job's life, and none of us, I doubt, are going to go through what Job went through. He'd lost everything from his children to his personal possessions that he had worked and attained. To to uh, his everything on his land was worthless. He was he was one of the richest men, and now he had nothing. On top of that, he had physical pain and anguish. I don't like pain. Um, I had a tooth worked on. I'm trying to remember what it was a, a cap or something put on, and they put on the uh, the glue or whatever before they slide it on. I guess so it can stay on your. Whatever, I don't know anything about this. Uh, when they did this to me, some of the glue got pushed into my gum, like underneath my gum, Didn't know it at the time. And I got home that night and I just started bleeding out of my mouth, and it wouldn't stop. I couldn't get it couldn't get it to stop. And it's nighttime. I want to go to bed. I'm tired. Uh, I hate the dentist. Anyhow, I'd been there earlier that day. That puts me in a bad mood. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm bleeding. I can't stop bleeding. And it wasn't like this horrible gushing or anything like that. It was just consistent. And I was just tired of it. I got just I don't know if you get that way. where You just go, I just want to punch something just to make it stop. Try to call the dentist. Of course, they don't answer. It's at nighttime. Call the emergency number. Nobody answers. Leave a message. Nothing happens. Finally, we go into the uh, the ER or the urgent care and you know, I don't know what's happening. And they were able to put some stuff on it to help it stop bleeding. And, and got a hold of the dentist the next day and went in and found out that the lady had gotten glue up in my gum, and uh, they had to get it out and then put it on correctly the right way. In all of that, I just the frustration that came with with the the something on my body that I had no control over. That's not near the pain and the anguish that many people have gone through. But, but the point is, as we go through things and, and, and we just get to that point where it's, it's, I just want this to stop. I just want this to stop. I've counseled with people who are going through things in their life and, and they just felt like it was one thing after another. And they would say, preacher, it just never stops. God is enough for your pain. You may go through trials. You may go through a lot of them. But it says in verse 19, But the Lord delivereth him, the righteous, out of them. Again, he uses the word all. I hate going through trials. But I have confidence in the fact that whatever I'm going through, if I'm right with God, God's going to deliver me. God's going to take care of me. God's going to protect me. Psalm forty-seven three says, He healeth the brokenhearted and bindeth up their wounds. It doesn't matter why the pain is there. God is willing to deliver you out of it. God is enough for it. You don't have to turn to the things of this world. Now listen, I'm not saying if you have physical pain, don't take medicine. That's not what I'm saying. But God is able to deliver you out of your pain, out of your hurt. Like I said before, what if sin causes the pain? Because when we sin, it will cause pain. God says, I'm willing to deliver you out of that. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, it's speaking to Christians, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is enough to deliver us from our pain, even if it's self-inflicted even if we have that hurt because of something that we did. God says, I can forgive you. I can can help you, deliver you from that. God is enough uh, to deliver us from the pain of loss. It took me 19 years in life to experience loss. After that, it, it waited another good night. I don't know, 11, 12 years before I had to experience it again. The pain of loss. Both of my losses to this point have been grandparents. So at some point you kind of sit back and go, well, they lived a long life. We're thankful for that. I've not had to experience some of the loss that other people have gone through that I can't imagine. The loss of a child. I have many of friends who have suffered uh, miscarriages. And I admit I, I can't know what that loss feels like. I know people who shut down for a month or so after a miscarriage. I remember younger, I talked to one person and I was ignorant enough to ask the question, well, I mean, since you never really like met the child, I mean, it's not that bad, right? He says, it is that bad. It hurts. I know people who've lost spouses. The pain... And the hurt that comes with that. After we lose someone, we begin to look back and go, Could I have done more? Could I have been there more? Could I have talked more? Could I have whatever? And so that adds more hurt and pain on top of it all. What could I have done differently? God says, I'm enough to deliver you out of that, that pain, that affliction. What about loneliness? Loneliness hurts. we sit there and we we sit somewhere and we just think to ourselves, I'm all alone. I just feel alone. And it brings pain and it brings hurt. God says, I'm enough. I'm good company. I'm enough for your loneliness and the pain that comes with it. I've cried more tears in the last five years than I did in the previous, except for when I was a young baby. Previously. And in the first few years, most of my tears came from loneliness. And I'd say, God, I'm just alone. And God would say, no, you're not. I'm enough. I'm enough. Because God will never leave us or forsake us, we can know that God is enough. Nothing here on this earth is guaranteed. If I lost everything, I'd be okay because no one can take away God. Whether we live in a mansion or in a shack, we still have God. Whether the world is for us, which it's not, or against us, we still have God. And when I'm knocked down, when I'm beat up, we just get on our knees And there we'll find God. There are moments in life where we say, I can't. There are moments in life where we say, I need to know, I need to learn, I need to understand. There are moments in life when we're just aching. And we just say, I need something. I need help. God, is enough. Rest in that. Take comfort in that. Trust in that. Well, God, who am I going to say is taking care of my needs? I am. God, who who am I going to say is going to teach me what I need to know so that I can do this, this great task that You've told me to do? God says, I am. Well, God, I'm hurting. Who's going to heal me? I am. God's enough. Lord, I thank you. It's humbling when we come to that point. When we say, I can't take care of this need. I need help. When we say, I don't don't understand this, and we need wisdom, when we're hurting and we have pain and we say I I need deliverance God it is humbling to know that you care enough about us that you're willing to deliver us to take care of us, to provide for us God I pray that you would help us to understand that you are enough Lord bring us back to you draw us near to you when we doubt God I pray this morning if if anyone is going through a situation of need, or a situation of hurt, God, I pray that today you have, have uh, given yourself to them where they have seen you are enough. And God, today I pray that they would depend on you for that need or that deliverance. God, I pray that you'd help us to remember that, that although you never leave or forsake us, there are often times that we do stray. God would you help us to live the life that we ought to live Would you help us to be obedient Or to be faithful So that we can expect The blessings that come With the prayer And with the obedience Lord teach us your ways And may we follow them Lord would you help us to not get sidetracked By other people's thoughts and opinions Of your word but Lord to be focused In simply on your word For it is enough God, help us when needed. Help us to be what we ought to be today so that we can do what we ought to do and do it the way that you see fit. Lord, we'll praise you for your help. We'll give you glory for your deliverance. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.